I'm Erica E. Honey Williams. I'm a model, fashion designer, entrepreneur, party goer, dancer, all the above. I'm one of two of the energy gods. We do party promotions and hosting. So that's me in the flesh. This, this, is, this is Diversified Game Game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kellen. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, I have Fort Lauderdale's own Erica E. Honey Williams. She is a model a brand ambassador. I'm just going to call her an influencer because that's what she does. And she's going to give us the game on how she started from the age of 12. She started modeling to now, you know, which was, you know, 12 was just two years ago for her because, you know, the black don't crack. But she has (laughs) done a lot in that time. She's even sold insurance. And she's going to give us the game on how she's become a model, entrepreneur, mother, and welcome to the show, E, honey. How you doing? Yes, I'm excited. Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. Um, I'm here at home. Of course, my kids in their room, but you know how they go mommy life. <laughs> but I'm doing well, you know, taking it day by day, you know, building day by day. By the grace of God, I am thankful. Well, you know, and you just had a photo shoot yesterday. So I thank you, you know, for, for coming on. People don't, I don't think folks understand you know, how much energy can be um, sucked out of you when you're doing events. But tell the people, I mean, tell them your story on how you started, because it wasn't, you know, nothing was smooth for you. There's always these bumps and these dips that have got you here where you've learned. So let the people know, being such a young model, and then later on becoming a young mother, how have, like, where has the passion come from being in this crazy entertainment business? (laughs) <laughs> uh that's the word you took out of my mouth the crazy entertainment business um like you had said before I started since the age of 12 um I've been actually before that into dancing with hip-hop R&B jazz tap ballet you know cheerleading I was in a sum of everything you name it my mom had me in in a lot of things but uh, modeling became the passion when an auntie of mine's was uh, drilling my mom and telling her like, hey, you need to put that girl in some things now. She is tall as ever, tall glass of wine. <laughs> tall glass of wine, you need to put her in modeling. Modeling is a thing now for children. So, and I've been drawing as well since a little kid. So I've been in fashion prior to modeling as well. But she ended up seeing, you know, maybe this could be a thing for her. So she signed me up for Barbizon Modeling and Acting School. I don't know if you're familiar with that um, modeling school, but Mm -hmm. I started with them since the age of 12. Actually graduated with them twice (laughs) because uh, funny thing enough, my first graduation year, I was doing all those things, cheerleading and dancing at the same time of doing my modeling classes. And I would never forget that day. My graduation had fell on the same day of my cheerleading competition. <laughs> and I had to choose which one to do. And I, I, did, I couldn't choose which one to really do at the time. So that was like something of a highlight at that age to really make a big sound decision for my career of what's important to do. And for me at the time, I was on a, a big cheerleading team in South Florida. At the time, it was called Pal Broncos. I know everybody know Pal Broncos, <laughs> but the name changed now, I think, to Lottie Hill Broncos or something like that. But my cheerleading team at the time was like big on like competition. And it was like, no, 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 you need to be with us. You need to be with us. You part of the routine is very important. We're going to change the routine over. So I ended up choosing to be in the cheerleading competition over my graduation, my first year. But luckily, thankfully enough, blessing enough, my school allowed me to come back the next following year for free. So it was like I had a whole retouch up and recourse 
of all my classes for free that my mom already had paid a lot of money in. People don't understand, like, it's a big investment. And when I say I'm so grateful to my mother for doing that, because it opened so many doors for me as far as learning my essentials as a young woman growing into a woman. They taught you makeup. They taught you etiquette, how to be, you know, polite, how to do interviews, how to talk to people, how to um, dress, fashion, how to walk. There's a certain style of walking as a woman you should have, you know, how to carry yourself. So I was very grateful that she did that for me. You know, so my second year, I ended up graduating fully with Barbizon, with my class and everything, got my diploma there. And then I was going into high school at the time for me. So after that, I ended up doing cheerleading again um, with my high school. I went to South Plantation uh, High School. So I ended up cheering for them. And I graduated with the modeling um, at that time. So <clears throat> I continued my modeling once the cheerleading season was over. I then branched into Explore Talent around the age of 17. So that's like a casting um, production. So they would get you on gigs and things like that. So they would provide you a portfolio and pictures and photos. I'm sorry, my phone keeps dropping because I'm trying to record us. <laughs> <laughs> trying to make sure I get this captured. But um, yeah, so I did that with Explore Talent around that age of 17. So that was supposed to further branch my modeling career on a more professional level of being seen and being picked up and being booked. And then at that time I was in a high school relationship. I ended up getting pregnant <laughs> by the age of... Um, going 17 into 18. So at that time, that kind of put a halt on what my mother and myself dream was for me at that moment, because my plan at the time before, you know, finding out I was pregnant, I was planning to move to New York. I wasn't necessarily going to go to like traditional college or anything like that, but I most likely was going to sign up for like the art Institute or a fashion design school or even like a modeling acting school in New York to continue, you know, advancing and enhancing my skills. But that was the plan at that time. I was supposed to move to New York and continue, but I ended up having my first kid at the age of 18. And then I ended up having, after that, I tried to do the family life. I ended up having my second child at the age of 19 going into 20. <laughs> so I started off young, you know, with my children and everything. But after I had my children, you know, thank God I was praising that my body didn't go away. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I just felt like, okay, I can get back into my modeling in some kind of way. You know, if, you know, my boyfriend at the time, my kid's father would be supportive and everything. He sees that I still model, I'm still into fashion. And it started off that way, but then, you know, we kind of split and everything. But I still started doing my own thing still at that time as a single mom. Um, I linked up with a friend of mine that I was working with at United Healthcare when I started working there at that young age. I started working with United Healthcare. And this lady um, that I was very close to, Tina, Tina, well, her name was Tina Blunt at the time, but her name has changed. She's now married, um, married, newly married. But she had a modeling group called Platinum Idols at the time. Um, very big in South Florida back in the days where we was um, doing modeling when first out started with Po'boy family. Briscoe, Fish Scale, Plies, when they first started back then, those years ago, we was the promo models for them. We used to be at Club Cinema. I know everybody heard of Club Cinema, big club in Pompano, <laughs> Pompano Beach. So... We used to do a lot of modeling for them back then. And I branched out from there to do the urban modeling. And then I took my modeling in a different direction where I started to get in body sculpting and implied nude and semi-nude and things like that. Because naturally, I, I enjoy my body. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like for women, it's a beautiful thing, you know, to embrace your natural body. So... I took my modeling to that scale because back then it was a bigger thing too. 
I guess to get more following and things like that. So I kind of, I wouldn't say follow the trend. I kind of created my own trend. I was part of the, you know, the team that kind of tried to create their own trend at that time. So I started to do those type of things with my modeling. But then I started to look at it more on an exotic scale. So I kind of toned it down a bit, you know, try to make it more mainstream, more commercialized. So I wouldn't be overlooked and more categorized in that field only because I was getting hit with certain things that I didn't like to do. Of course, people wanted to try and get me into the porno industry and all that kind of stuff too. And I had to block it. So just to stay more on the mainstream and a commercialized stream, I just started to turn the brand exotic into something more sensual, but more tasteful. You know what I'm saying? Something that people can actually look at and not feel like disgusted or nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I started to push. And that's how E-Honey became born. My name E-Honey. All right. I mean, that's, you got a lot in there. And I know this industry, I've done it for, if it's not 20 years, it's longer. And, and I understand that we used to be the ones who would pick and put the models on the magazines we worked with while we were laying yes. out, writing the stories. And the game is so, that's why I say the game is so crazy because it, it's very difficult in entertainment to play it straight up. As, as in life, people say, do this, do this. But mm-hmm. everybody who is winning is playing outside of the lines of the rules they're telling you to play by. It, right. It's like they're boxing you in in something once they see you do certain things and they have their own vision for you instead of actually understanding what true vision you have for yourself instead of working with it some kind of way collaborating it's like music and you know you want to you could have a great song but if it's not the tone of the radio station at the time it will never get played no matter how great it is and of course there's payola and all types of stuff you could say but with you in let's talk about that for the young women who are listening right now especially and maybe even the men um can you talk about the creepiness of the industry from the photographers, from the gatekeepers, you know, how they've tried you over and over and maybe some ways where you've learned to say, you know what, if I say this or if I do this, nobody will try me and all they'll look at me is like a pretty face, but they won't want to take. Oh, yeah. Um, I can definitely relate to that subject. I mean, I've had plenty of stories and episodes where I've been tried and it's, it's, it's not a good feeling when it comes to that, because for instance, it was a time where I was assaulted on a shoot before and everything. And it was to a point where I thought I was doing something for like a magazine and everything come to find out the type of magazine that it was for was not the magazine that I wanted it to be for. My impression, I thought it was like a magazine, something like how maximum, how maximum is, whereas, you know, sensual and everything, you show your figure and all kind of stuff. And, you know, you'd be sexy, but that magazine was not it. It was more towards the adult entertainment life. And I was being filmed when I wasn't given, I didn't give permission to and all that to do extra things. So I was assaulted during that time. And it almost made me like question my career. Like, is that all they see me as? And even when I'm not trying to give that to them or give that full impression, is that all they trying to just book me for? You know, I want it to be more well-rounded or to be seen more than just that of a sex symbol. But, you know, it can it can deteriorate someone's mind if they don't have a strong vision behind what they're trying to do, because it can make someone feel like that is all that I'm good for. And that's not the case. You have to really take control of your brand and where you want it to go. Cause if you don't, it can't, it can make you go down some roads and stay there. If you feel like that's all that you have to offer, you know? 
Can, so, you, can you talk about for, for the person who is learning and, and, and they're now intrigued saying, wait, you were assaulted. There's so many different type of assault. And, you know, with the uh, Me Too movement opening up um, things that in Hollywood people try to cover up. Because if we're honest, entertainment and we could even say politics is run by power and a lot of it by sex on both ends. I can hear the haters right now saying, hey, I've done things and I wanted to do them, right? Because I needed right. to get in the store. But can you talk about the assault? Because there's, you know, rape and, um, and sexual assault and there's assault and battery and domestic assault. But e there's even an assault that if you are doing something on camera and you don't know that it's being filmed at the time, there, you know, there's it's so many, it's so broad. So I want people to kind of like hear the story because there's guys now, 30 years later, who like, I didn't even know that was assault or I didn't know that was abusive. And now people don't even know when to approach women sometimes. I'm old and married. So I, I'm like, I'm just trying to have teachable moments because women were never my problem. And in the industry, since women weren't my problem, I never had to treat anybody like that. Because, you know, that was the first thing we could get in the morning and sometimes the last thing on the mind. But can you talk about that assault so somebody can learn, like, you know what, that's not right, either to be in the situation or to do to somebody. Right. Absolutely. Um, as far as with the situation, when I got the booking, um, I, at the time I was under the modeling group at the time with Platinum Idols, but... I was doing certain bookings on my own as well that would pay me or to give me exposure, you know, cause I still have my own brand outside of that, that I was building. So when I took the booking, I was told that it was supposed to be for a magazine that um, I'm trying to remember what exactly it was called. I don't know. It was years ago, but I was told it was supposed to be for a magazine. And when I took the booking, or whatever, the photographer had like his own set within his home. So he mentioned to me prior to even taking the booking, you know, it's a closed set. And of course, people in the industry, sometimes when they're doing certain things, especially if it's like a professional setting or something that's private, they are told like it, it is possible that it's a closed set. You know, you can't have people with you, whatever you sign, sometimes a non-disclosure form and all that good stuff or whatever but basically that's how it started for me to go you know so when i did when i did go he showed me the actual magazine or what i thought was the magazine that i would have been displayed in and everything with a whole interview and everything so i said okay this this is real deal like this is my my time like i'm thinking i'm going to now be seen and developed you know as someone as a model especially freshly in their career, you get excited about those type of things because you're thinking you're going to, like, this is your big time. This is your big moment, you know? So I saw it as that. So when I was doing the shoot, you know, I had all my sexy, you know, lingerie or raunchy look and everything. I don't even remember what kind of look I was doing at the time, but I had that on and he's taking the pictures and everything. And as he's taking the pictures, I guess, his camera nowadays or back then still, they had cameras that has both take uh, pictures and video recording. You know what I'm saying? So you could flip to either one. So I didn't know that at the time, that's what was the case that was going on. So as I'm doing the shoot, he's taking the pictures and I'm on the bed doing a scene, like I'm on the bed taking pictures and everything. He pulled me closer to him. He dragged me closer to him. And then he pulled my panties to the side and he started to go down. I mean, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what is you, what are you doing? So at that moment, me as a woman, as a young woman at that, I think I was only 22, 23 at the time, bigger guy, like I believe maybe bigger than you in a sense, he was very like bulky and stocky. You get what I'm saying? So I'm by myself. I don't know what this man is capable of. I don't know if I make a sudden move, he may knock me out and knock me unconscious or anything like that. So I laid there. I laid there and let him do what he was doing. And he did whatever he did to me at the moment. 
and he was recording me at the same time. I didn't even know he still had the camera in position to even record me. I just thought he wanted to touch on me and get his rocks off. And that was that. And I just let him because I was so terrified internally. All I was doing at the same, at the whole time is talking to myself, like Erica, just let him do what he's doing. Don't move. Don't say nothing. Don't nothing. Even though I'm like trying to push him off and everything, he's moving my hands. You know what I'm saying? I just didn't speak. You know, I didn't utter any words to him because at that moment, I just wasn't sure what was going to happen to me. I'm by myself. I already sent my location to like my friends because at the time I had like roommates staying with me and my children. So they already knew where I was, but I didn't have my phone near me at the time. I was just on the bed doing my photo shoot. And then that's when it suddenly happened. So when he was done doing what he was doing, I was in like utter shock that it even happened, that that's how my shoot went. I kind of calmly ran straight to the bathroom to hurry up and change my clothes. Like I was frantically in the bathroom, like ruffling through shit. Like I'm literally like trying to pick up my stuff, put my clothes back on. And he was like, okay, I'm going to send you your pictures. And I said, okay, all right. All right. Like, I just kind of like brushed it off. Like, okay, whatever. And I hurried up and got out of there. I had texted my sister while I was in the bathroom, actually, because she was the one who took me there. My sister took me there. And she left because, of course, me telling her it was a closed set. You can't come. So as I was in the bathroom, I immediately like text her and told her like, hey, come on, please hurry up. You could be on your way like that. So when I left the place or whatever, I kind of hurried up and rushed out of there. And I don't know if he noticed like my whole energy changed. It really changed because I was really trying to hurry up and get out of there. I didn't want to be near him, no nothing, nothing. So when I got in the car with my sister, I didn't say anything. I think at that moment, I was still so like traumatized that that even happened on my shoot for what I was expecting or wanted it to be. And it turned out to be something else. I was quiet the whole car ride. And she was looking at me. She was like, you okay, sis? I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm, I'm good. Like that. I didn't say nothing to her. It's when I got home. I said it to my roommates. Because I don't know if everybody else feel the same way. Normally, when it's your family and it's just like if you got into a fight or whatever, you don't want to tell your family you got into a fight or you got your ass whooped or nothing like that. And then they go out and go looking for that person and it'd be a whole bigger scene. That's kind of how my feeling at the time was like, and my older sister is very overprotective of me. Like she don't give no nothing. She will go looking for whoever, you know what I'm saying? So I knew if I would have told her that would have blew up into whole something else at that moment, even though it possibly needed to, it did need to, it did need to. But it was just, I, at the same, I felt so many emotions. I felt embarrassed. I felt ashamed. In a way, I felt like I was blaming myself. Take, 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 a, take a moment. I, I, I want people to really hear this on both sides because these are the moments that somebody will either change their ways, um, repent, um, women, or even male models. It, right. it, it happened on all sides. And somebody out there will say, well, if you never said no, see, you missed the point. The point is when you're in that position, you know when something feels right. And you know right. if you're married right now, you know if that person isn't into it and right. that you could have enough i don't i don't care what it is one night stand or marriage enough to you know if you feel that to say right. are you okay just to ask are you right. okay and, okay, and that's basically what my friends did when i told them the story they was even stunned they were shocked that it happened that way 
So I ended up telling my mom, which my mom, of course, told my sister because, of course, my mom got on my sister's case. Like, what the hell? You took her there. Like, why in the hell you ain't? And she was like, I didn't know, Ma. I didn't know. She didn't tell me. And I didn't. I told my mom, don't blame her. It's not her. Like, I just couldn't say anything. And I ended up going to the police. You know, I ended up going to the police, reporting it and everything. You know what made it worse? <laughs> when I was reporting it, when I was reporting it to the police, this happened in Tamarack. I will never forget. I, re- I went to the Tamarack police station. And when I reported it to them, you know what these people had the nerves to say? Hmm. Because I did not say aggressively no or i didn't aggressively get out of there oh you just had a one night stand or whatever look at it like that and i'm like what and initially that's what kind of made me not want to go to them because in my brain i was blaming myself because i didn't fight him off of me already i was blaming myself you know what i'm saying but my manager and my mom pushed me to go to the police. So I did. And for them to turn around and say, oh, we'll take the report, but we're just going to look at it like it was just a one night stand. And it was a woman cop at that who said it. A white woman cop to say that. Oh, it was just a one night stand or whatever. Because in a way, we can't put this as rape or anything like that because you didn't aggressively get out of there or say no. I was like, oh, oh, okay. Not that it matters, but was the photographer black or white? He was black. He was black because this can happen on on either side. It doesn't matter. I just want to hear, you know, um, they probably look at it as like a, a, a black on black crime. And I could have easily flipped that if he was white. I know people, but that this happens over and over. What do you think? Let, let, let's get to solution based so this doesn't have to happen to anybody. If you and I are, you know, lobbying in Tallahassee or wherever, what do you think could be done? Of course, you know what you could have done differently then had him have broken the law. But whether it's modeling or personal or entertainment, should folks have to like write consent or have it on their phone? Like you consent to this and especially to the filming because there's laws for that. If he puts that out, he's in trouble. But what could be done, do you think? Because you would have the best solution. Um, I mean, when it comes to that type of thing, um, especially if, if you're knowing you're going to like a set or something like by yourself and it has to be like a closed set. I mean, non-disclosure NDAs are a very essential thing nowadays. I've noticed, um, models should carry their own. I feel like at this point, I wish I would have had my own at that time, you know, where it had my own rules and regulations for what I accept and what I don't accept, you know, and both parties have to sign it. And if any of those rules is broken, then, you know, accountability has to be taken and action has to be done. And you can't be upset at the end of the day, because if you break any of those laws, I'm entitled to protect myself and do what I need to do for my well-being and my career because you don't value yours. You get what I'm saying? So I feel like when you're in the industry and you take your craft and your business very seriously, walk around with your own NDAs and things of that nature and, and have like people that you can trust on speed dial at the end of the day, letting them know, Hey, um, I'm partaking in this event or I'm partaking in this shoot or I'm doing this and it's supposed to be this so-and-so 
I'm just letting you know what it is about. Even if you can give them a location or, you know, you can ping them something quick as soon as you get there, just so that important people that is close to you already aware of your setting, you know, and, and also I feel like have cold words, you know, between the important people that you're giving those contacts to or your locations to have like some kind of cold word because that's what it's kind of funny with the industry. It's like, that's not my first time going through some, something like that. But another time when something like that happened to me, my best friend Nivia was the one that was able to rescue me out of a situation because we had a cold. When she called my phone and I was able to pick up the phone, I don't know how she knew something was wrong, but she was able to jump right quick because we had a cold. So you just got to take precaution and measures and certain things to make sure people that you care about knows your whereabouts or know like a certain cold to be able to help you. And as well, have your own non-disclosure form. So if God forbid something does even happen, you know, legal actions can still be taken afterwards and you have proof to protect yourself at that point. And I'm going to take it a step further. And you guys forgive me. These are my words, not (laughs) e-honey. This is the reason you guys always hear me talk about um, jujitsu. My girls before COVID had to do three days of it. They're little. And they had to do three days because it's the only martial art where if you're on your back, someone's in between your legs on top of you, you can get them off and you can get them off easily. And, you know, uh, no mercy at, at, at that point. Oh, no, that's right. In, in entertainment, this gives such a black eye because people, you know, the, the haters and those who say, well, I just don't know. The casting couch is a real thing in, in Hollywood. There are some doors, if you don't do certain things, you ain't going to walk in. Yep. That, that's that person's choice to make. But when you are on a shoot, and it's, it's not even safe as a man for you to be alone with a woman and to you make that advancement. If the woman wanted it, she'd let you know. And, you know, there's usually no buyer's remorse. I don't let oh, yeah. my female... I don't let my female clients do do shoots like that when we would focus heavy on models. You can't go by yourself. Even if they can, even if they you know were shooters, because uh, I know them all. You, you can't <laughs> go by yourself unless I know this photographer and he's right. been well he's been well vetted. Um, you know, because I've seen his work and he knows me. And as someone who consults, managers, PR, whatever for clients. He knows that we won't put up with that. Like, really, right now, in my natural, I say, man, say this junk, this sucker's name, and hopefully he died in COVID if he hasn't been taken out already. But I'm not going <laughs> to ask you to do that because I also don't want you to be in a lawsuit. I don't mind the smoke because we're going to handle that in the street. In right. <laughs> you know, but that's me. My life is a little different. Um, for you, I want you to be happy, go lucky, and, and, and be good. I, I, I do this for fun, man. Like Scarface, it's for fun. But <laughs> entertainment is, that's the bad side. And I thank you for sharing that because I really pray that that helps somebody on all sides say, you know what? It's right. really not that serious. It's enough women out there for me to do my fun when it's time for fun and my job, my passion when it's time this is not dating circle now that's the bad side of the industry let's lighten it up and bring out the good side the best memories i mean you've won miss florida you know you've done things that people you see the smiles for those of you those few of you who watch and not just listen the thousands listen but for those watch you really smile when i brought that back to miss florida Talk about the great side of the industry and what kept you going. Absolutely. Um, The brighter side of it, um, as far as when I kept pushing, I just started to put more light on my brand eHoney. And as far as trying to get more involved in other aspects of the industry. So that's when I started to 
embark more on the pageantry side, it, it actually fell in my lap by accident <laughs> because <laughs> I teamed up with another casting production, um, Nine Nine, and they introduced me to uh, this woman, Nora, who I was part of her um, Bell's fashion fashion show for her fashion week of um, Art Basel. So I did modeling for her and just so happened, she's like a pageantry coordinator and she had introduced it to me to sign up under her. So that's what I ended up doing at the time. It actually happened within the same year I lost my mom, sadly enough, that year around June, I lost my mom. So I kind of took a break off of certain things. And then towards the end of the year, I actually had um, <clears throat> signed up for that. So it's not something that you, you know, it's of course you got to pay for it and everything. So thankfully, you know, I was able to invest into it and I was like, hmm, maybe this could be another scale I can get into. So I decided to do it. it it's, it's a lot more tedious than, you know, runway modeling, I would say, because they're more poised when it comes to, I know people seen pageantries on the TV, Miss America, USA, all of that. So, you know, the way how they walk and everything, the way how they train, it's a real deal. <laughs> it is a real deal, like workout in its own. So they don't play no games when it comes to that. So at first I thought I was out of my league <laughs> of doing it because of how the stuff that I was into, like exotic modeling and things I've done before. So I didn't think I was part of that, that world. But when I was, um, you know, talking to her, doing my interview to even get into it, she was like, oh, you'll be perfect. You'll be perfect. You, you are so down to earth. You know, I love your energy and you're so honest about things. I'm like, okay, all right. If you see, I can fit into it. Why not? <laughs> so I, I took up the training classes that they were offering as well. And I would strategically go like every weekend. It was every Saturday that she would have um, one of the former winners who would be her trainer. Her name is Katrina. And I love her. I love her to death. Her energy is so awesome. But um, she would train us and everything and help us with our walks. We have to walk with books on our head and rods behind our back to make sure we arch in our back right and everything it, it was it was the truth <laughs> so and they would practice with us with interviews and everything too it's it's that keen where you have to know what to say in your interviews and everything as well when they're asking you questions because that's mainly what pageantry is it's not just your walking it's also your mindset that they look at how you think when it comes to the questions they ask you and the answers that you give. So basically they trained us on that. We did the, um, the show, the pageantry show at, at B ocean hotel in Fort Lauderdale beach and everything. And it was a nice setting. And once we did the, it was a big production, like a whole day production of different interviews and, dressing rehearsals and meeting all the other contestants and things of that nature. So it was a, it was a, a very different environment, but it kind of reminded me of like, you know, the fashion show setting, but more on of like a job. It, it felt like a job interview more so to speak a little bit, like you're interviewing for this big job and you're getting the position at the end or something. So Basically, that's what happened. So once we did the showing and everything, um, I answered all the questions as truthful and strategic as I could. And at the end, I got Mrs. Florida U.S. Nation. So it, it was an amazing feeling that I was able to do that. And the whole time, what kept me going is my mom was like my rock throughout my whole development of my career. So of course with her passing and everything, I still was like, I'm still in grief, but 
you know, I was mainly freshly grieving her at the time. So all I had, all I could hear was her in my ear, like, baby, you got this. Go ahead, baby. Say this, baby. Say that. Say this. It was just a motivation to me. So I just used that and I went with it and they crowned me. <laughs> and congratulations. And, and one, you know, the queen always. And I want people to take away, you know, you might have even had worse stuff for those of you listening or watching. But it doesn't matter if you were a, a dope boy or a street person in the worst way on the blade. You can come and you can you were talking about being out of your league. No one's out of your league. It's just mental. And it's really you put in the work to learn something new. And you could do that whether you wanted to be a politician next. Right. Um, you, you are. I said influencer. But now that I'm listening to you and I'm hearing it. Okay, so she's also a motivational speaker. We're going to crown that on her because <laughs> you, you can tell a story that, you know, nobody else. Think of all the greats. Les Brown, Tony right. Robbins. You can tell a story about an industry where you can say, I'm going to tell this story to motivate others. And I would say, you know, become part of Toastmasters if you're not already. After that, NSA. And make them pay for that story as well because you can go around the world telling it and you don't have to you know people think oh you have to be mega famous and be a kardashian well she started with the sex tape right hmm. and you see how it's transformed but that's hollywood and again yep. we're in the entertainment industry we're not gonna change this industry all we can do is make sure we do what we need to do to protect ours who are in it the loved ones exactly so you get Miss Florida with the brand ambassador and doing the events. You know, I saw you, you were wilding out um, at the club recently on your Instagram, having <laughs> a, a turn up time. Um, I don't want to know how you got into that because I already know it's such a connected business and you're, yes. you know, you're mixed. How do you, this is teachable moment. You are a beautiful woman. How do you make sure that these promoters, a lot of them janky, pay you, stay in their lane? How do you do that? I've been, I've been in that field for a long time outside of just modeling for one. So my name always carried for a while. And when I took a break from that world, I honestly thought people forgot about me. <laughs> But when I decided to get back into it and it's kind of like it's kind of like high school, you run back into the same faces or familiar people or even if you meet new people, they know who you knew and all kind of stuff. So I don't know. It kind of helped that in a way. And people knew me from years ago, like I wasn't nothing to play with unless I wanted to. <laughs> so I don't know, I guess. It came with the respect. I earned it. You know, I, I would say that I'll give myself that pat now because I never would. But I really earned it. I had to work for it. I had to go through a lot of shit to get it. So it's like I just know how to negotiate and collaborate with them on helping them build their brand on top of me building my brand. It's like, OK, you want something from me to help promote you know, your business or your club or whatever, what am I getting out of it? You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of how I trade for trade type of thing. Okay, I'm going to go deeper on that because somebody right now wants to be a promoter. I started putting artists in clubs at 18 and it was just a natural thing. Um, it, well, 18, somewhere around there, right? It gets blurry when once you hit 40. But <laughs> <laughs> when promoters come to you and they're like, we want you to put this up. They'll say, Hey, for every flyer, every time someone says a code name or they text this, we'll give you some money. Like, no, nah, that's not how we getting paid over here. I'm old school <laughs> when this all started. And we worked with the texting companies at the same time we work with the promoter. So being in the street, but being a street nerd, it, it was different, but young woman, and they say they want to work with you. Do you get paid first? 
Or do you wait for the club night? Because I've seen big time artists not get all their money, even in the gospel. I've seen John P. T. not get all his money. And it's like, he got two buses out here. Y'all ain't got his money? Come on. <laughs> so how do you get paid? Do you want your money in the beginning? How do you work it out? I mean, for the most part, how I usually do it, when I'm I'm doing like any club promotions, I pretty much give them my my pricing. If it's something that I feel like I need to be paid for, I'll give them my price list and I'll work with them like to negotiate some things. Cause sometimes it I don't know what their pockets be like or what, you know, how many because also there I plan parties too. So I know behind the scenes what it takes sometimes. And usually from what I learned from my experience, you sometimes don't even start out with the money. You sometimes have to sell tickets first or put it out there first to get the money, then to be able to pay people that's part of the organization. So usually I'll give a pricing to them to see if they could work with or whatever. Or like sometimes I don't always get paid for things. It'd be the exposure that pays me. I get, you know, the bookings from it or they refer me to people or I get more like client base to what I have going on and things of that nature. So it still works out hand in hand, whether it's the green or people, you know what I'm saying? So it still works out personally for me in a sense where if I get an actual figure for it or just figures, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. And I want people to, you know, your links will be in the description. And I really hope that you put um, even more time telling your story on a YouTube and even possibly having your own podcast things. I, I I'll talk to you off air about just because um, I could see it. But I want, because I, I don't want you to give all the game. You've given right so all the game. juice. I can't give that. I gotta put it on something where they gotta like compensate me for it. So you kind of got my mind twirling with that. You putting the battery in my back now. <laughs> yeah. So let this be the last thing we tell them before we take it off air. I want to know with the success that you're having and the best is yet to come. What is a community give back that you are doing now? or that you would love to do in the future? Well, for one, what I would love to get, well, I started years ago, something kind of small where I want to branch it out eventually. And it's, um, you know, a nonprofit organization. <clears throat> At the time when I did start it, I was giving away back to school supplies for children and like essential needs. Of course, like we said in the beginning, I got involved with life insurance, health insurance. I'm a licensed professional. So I was utilizing that business to receive clientele. So I would have my table set up to teach people the needs and the essential needs of health insurance and life insurance, how important it is to have as a, you know, a financial backup. So I was doing back to school supply giveaway during the school, the summer for children and things. So that would track families and parents, you know, that showing them I care for the community with children and everything. So I do want to get back into that as well. I'm working on developing a nonprofit organization surrounding like for families that has gone through themselves or even a family member that has that has had or is having terminal illness and they might have been the financial breadwinner and they can't provide anymore and they need some type of assistance you know to help them out with something whether it's groceries or to get their medicine or you know to just be able to help cater to them I can be able to help them out because of course like I said I went I went through it seeing my mom go through it and she was the breadwinner you know what i'm saying so it did take a toll on all of us it did hurt us a lot of many ways so i would want to be able to carry that torch on in memory of her doing that 
you know so eventually you guys will see hopey cares foundation that's the name that i want to give it because her nickname was hope hopey <laughs> Opie in a jamaican language you know so <laughs> <laughs> so that's what's my mom she's hope so i definitely want to give that some light some some smoke to come up behind it so eventually sometime soon i'll get involved with that oh man well god bless that idea in jesus christ's name hope he care you guys got it we're gonna take the conversation off air but before you guys leave if you do nothing else please share this game so it can impact someone's life for the greater good i mean some gems were you know in your testimony lives can be changed because there's so many people who have gone through it and they're so scared to tell it and they're so worried and they'll say hey i'll talk about this but i don't want to talk about that but that's what right. we talk about if we want change so y'all been blessed with the game do all that good stuff with the like share subscribe be blessed we're taking it offline y'all yes make sure you follow me e honey 365 i'll be there <laughs> Are you tired of the violence, tired of the injustice, police brutality, rampant discrimination, lack of gun control in this failed by a socioeconomic experiment called America? Or maybe you need a break from the relentless grind and want to regain control of your destiny, your wealth, your health, and your purpose. DiversifiedGang.com has the right course for you. Prepare for my first trip to Africa. Looking to reconnect with your roots, start a new business, or just a fresh start. Africa, aka the motherland, is waiting. Don't let the Chinese and the Mazungus have the fun and also take over the motherland. From Cairo to Mombasa, from Dakar to Cape Town, Africa has something for everyone from business opportunities to the most amazing people, safety, leisure, and landscapes. The opportunities abound. It is time for the diaspora to reconnect with their roots. Time to reconnect with the birthplace of humanity. Africa is the last frontier. Get your head in the game and reclaim your legacy. The writing is on the wall. Babylon is falling. Give up the stress, grind and violence inflicted on our people on this continent and prepare for a journey of restoration and joy by connecting with the land of your ancestors. Check out our new course and kick off your adventure at diversifygame.com. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit diversifiedgame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.